Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Sena. A couple of months back, during the height of the pandemic in New York City, I took a walk one weekend around my neighborhood in East Village, and I happened to see a line of people waiting outside a building. I approached them, curious to know what was going on, and it turned out that they were waiting in line to get the free meal from the Father's Heart Ministries, which is located right there on that street. The Father's Heart Ministries has a free soup kitchen every Saturday, and they expanded their operations during the pandemic to accommodate the large number of people who were coming to their doorsteps for food and help. In this interview, I'm talking with Marion Hutchins, Executive Director of Father's Heart Ministries, and she tells us more about the work that they do through the ministry. Now, the Father's Heart Ministries was established to fulfill the mission of helping people in their immediate need, such as hunger, and also to help people break the cycles of poverty and dependence. The needs of people are addressed through a variety of programs, such as Hunger Prevention Program, which is an all-you-can-eat soup kitchen and a food pantry. They also have free ESL and GED preparation classes, that's English as a second language, for those who did not have the opportunity to finish high school. And an after-school open recreation hour and soup kitchen for children, teens and their families. They also have a men's transition program to help men transition out of difficult seasons in their lives and develop good work skills. My favorite is the Alphabet Scoop, which is their job training, mentoring, employment program for youth. It's a delicious ice cream shop and I can personally vouch for it. Marianne has been serving in the community for 36 years through her church and now with the Father's Heart Ministries. Tune in to hear how she and her team of volunteers have been working throughout this pandemic to help others by raising good cheer and hope. I'm at the Father's Heart Ministries, where a large volunteer team is helping to serve food to those who need it the most. The Father's Heart Ministries is over 142 years old. In the background, you can hear Marion Hutchins, the director giving a motivating, resounding speech to close out the volunteer activities for the day. The Father's Heart Ministries is located on 11th Street between Avenue A and B. And they've been doing this, serving others, uh, giving out food packets throughout the day since the beginning of this pandemic. Hi, Marion. Welcome to Heroes of New York Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I am saying welcome, but actually I'm at your office. And I welcome you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So how long have you been working with the Fathers of Heart Ministries? Well, I've been uh, actually with the church because this is a church, Father's Heart Church, for over 35 years. 23 years ago, the Father's Heart Ministries was established as a nonprofit, but I came here as a young woman who was looking to fulfill her calling in New York City. And um, I had been to Bible school and I was ready to go. When I came down here, it was actually my sister and brother-in-law that were pastoring the church here. And I came here as if I had gone to a foreign country. 
Even though I grew up in Queens, Flushing, Queens, when I came here, it was absolutely the most devastated neighborhood, the most broken place I had ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. So it was as if I was in a foreign country and I knew I needed to be here. I knew I wanted to be here, but I didn't quite fit. Which year was this? This was in 1982, 83. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like the end of 82, beginning of 83. And how was New York at the time? Well, like I said, you know, I grew up here, but I never stepped foot in this neighborhood growing up. So the neighborhood was very burnt out. We The buildings were burnt out. Even the taxi drivers, you know, they dropped you off at 14th Street. They didn't come down here. It was Alphabet City. It was the wild, wild west. I mean, there were drugs plentiful, and it was a dangerous place to be. The church was here reaching out and being a sanctuary to anyone that needed it. And many of the members of the church were former drug addicts. Why was it called Alphabet City? Well, because you could get any drug from A to Z here. <laughs> yeah. And so how was your experience in the early years? I had to relearn a lot of things. I had to learn, I'll put it that way, a lot of things. And, you know, I was trained to be a teacher and people didn't need to be taught. They were struggling. They were suffering. And so I had to have my heart enlarged and changed. And it did. I mean, I fell in love with the community. I fell in love with humanity. It's one thing to learn a textbook from a textbook. It's another thing to live it and finally have like a close proximity with people. And once that happens, once you start understanding people, understanding their lives and what they've gone through, then you can use what you've learned and then you're hungry to learn more the best way you could serve people. And I had to throw a lot of the stuff I learned away because it wasn't applicable. And I had to learn to live out of my heart. Mm -hmm. Definitely, New York City is not the city of the 80s. And I'm <laughs> sure you've seen a lot of change. You've seen the city yeah. evolve in front yeah. of your eyes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the buildings literally had no one living in them. They were burnt out and there were squatters. There were tents everywhere where homeless lived. You walk down the street and you'd always be in the middle of a drug sale. There were hawkers and uh, people screaming out. It was like as if you were on Wall Street and uh, guns, everything you could imagine. And uh, we started seeing the streets getting cleaned up. We started seeing less and less drugs, obviously, outside. It wasn't apparent. Probably in the 90s, we were kind of amazed. We started seeing people moving here, moving into the apartments. We started seeing store owners actually start opening up shops here, taking the chance to live here and have business here. We started to see buildings getting renovated. It was right before our eyes. And here we are. And we'd never, I mean, we would, even though we hoped and believed and prayed for it, it was really amazing to see right in front of us, the evolution of the neighborhood. And again, we still, and here we are, even though the neighborhood has been changed and uh, uh, there's booming business everywhere, there's still lots and lots and lots of people that need help. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of hidden and they're the marginalized. They're still here. We don't see them maybe, but we see them on Saturdays because they line up. And this was even before the pandemic. Right. We've been doing this for 23 years. And so there's still a huge amount of people who are not the ones that uh, they've been here or they're moving here, but they're not the ones that can afford the apartments here. They're mm -hmm. still in projects in different places. And we serve everyone throughout the city. Anybody that wants to come through our doors, you don't have to live on the Lower East Side. We love everyone that comes through the doors and we serve everyone. Amazing. Today, when I walked into your church, I heard you speak to the rest of the volunteers. 
uh, you know, motivating them and uh, congratulating them because yeah. you had a record number of people yeah. that you serve today. Yeah, 744. So, wow, that's today. amazing. Yeah. How many people do you generally serve every week? Well, before the pandemic, we were serving between five and 600. And that was a hot breakfast as well as the pantry bag. Throughout the month of August, we've been over 700 every week. Mm-hmm. So we have new guests every week. We had 63 new guests today. That What I mean by new guests is that they have never been here before. They're newly registered. Since the pandemic, we have close to 800 new people that have had to look for us to get food. Now, my guess is that maybe they never had to get food from a food line before. Mm-hmm. And they're coming now because there's people out of work. There's people without money. There's stores don't have all the food you need. And so there's all different reasons. I mean, I had one mother, I think I told you, she, when the pandemic first came, she broke out into tears that we gave her eggs. And she said, I've been to the store three times. There's no eggs on the shelves. And that was, you know, in the early days of March and April. But people have responded wonderfully. We have great people who have responded and contributed and volunteered. And so we've been able to be open the whole time and serve people. That was the other thing. A lot of other food pantries couldn't serve, not because they didn't want to, they didn't have volunteers. And it was hard to get volunteers, but we have wonderful volunteers that showed up and helped us do it. And how do you find the support you need in terms of food supplies? Yeah. So, you know, we've always supplied food. So we do have New York City, New York State, federal government that gives us grants for food. But we've had such an outpouring from groups like United Way, uh, Hope for New York. They immediately, they're a, a nonprofit that is in New York City, and they immediately started raising funds and gave us relief, two relief funds already. People all over the country have supported us sending funds to help us continue to give out food. We had one group, I have to tell you this, it's really funny, a, a church in Manhattan, Kansas. They spotted us online, I guess, and they started sending us homemade masks. This is when we couldn't find men. I know it feels funny that to say that we didn't have masks, but when we started, it was hard to get your hands on masks. Absolutely. And we needed masks. We needed masks for our volunteers and for our guests. We didn't want anybody, you know, so we had to have masks. They started making masks and sending us masks in increments. And they sent us about 500 homemade masks. And they would say from the little apple to the big apple because they're Manhattan, Kansas. So it was really adorable. So they really helped us. It was interesting to have them all the way from Kansas to spot us, I guess, online on social media. I agree. Yeah. That's very touching. Yeah. So how many meals have you served so far since the beginning of the pandemic? Well, each bag has at least 12 meals in it. So we gave out 744 bags today. So times that by every week mm. for the past five months. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Tell me some inspiring stories, Mary. Well, I think part of my biggest inspiration has been the volunteers that have mm-hmm. come because mm-hmm. the subways are not something that anybody could have taken very early in the morning to get here. Ubers weren't even available. People spent money. People made huge effort to get here. So they've been... It's been very heartwarming for me to have these volunteers. But one thing I noticed that was troubling was people were homeless for the first time in their lives. And the shelters were unsafe. The private shelters would not take anybody new in because of COVID. And we tried to help as many people as we could. We had one man, he was 64 years old, homeless for the first time in his life. And the reason was he was always living with a family would always try to give as much money as it would work and try to give as much money to keep his stay there. One of the people that he lived with 
had just finished having cancer and had recovering from cancer, I should say. And she was afraid that because he had to go out to different programs, he was going to bring COVID back. So she had to make him leave. So now he's on the street for the first time in his life. We were calling every private shelter we could. Nobody was taking new people in. Understandably so. They have to protect who's there. He reached out to his brother. Brother has a infant in his home, a grandson couldn't sleep there. So his brother offered him his van. So he slept in his van for about a month, at least a month while we prayed and worked hard to get him connected. And he finally got connected and he's in a really nice place with another person. They get three meals a day. And this organization is working on helping him get permanent housing because he is 64 years old and uh, he's a tremendous fellow. He worked very hard. And so they're working with him to get him housing. So that was a little scary for a while there. I mean, he was never been home. He didn't know what to do. One of our young mothers, she was stressed, so stressed out. She started getting pains up and down her arms, tingling every sign that was there. And we said, please, please go to the emergency room. Please get this checked. And she really didn't want to. She was afraid to go to the hospital. So one day she works at a supermarket part-time and one of the patrons said to her, I'm calling the ambulance on you. They called the ambulance. The ambulance came. The ambulance said, the driver or whoever, the EMS worker said to her, don't go. Don't go. Don't go to the hospital. It's not safe. And that was the situation, I think, for many people. They were afraid to go because of the COVID in the hospitals. And many were dealing with illnesses. So we're a faith-based organization. We really prayed and prayed for her. And she's fine now. But these are some of the things that we were faced with over and over again, things that people never faced before and we never faced before in helping people. And you know what we said initially, I thought our guests, our community that we serve is already uncertain about their future. Their future is not that clear, not that safe, not that there's fear and anxiety in life in general. This pandemic had to make them really over the top. And, you know, when we started serving through the pandemic, there was such rigidity. I mean, they came in so fearful. And after a while, you could see that, you know, they were finally relaxing a little and receiving, like we said before, it's the food, it's the love, but it's the community too. The fact that they could just come through the doors of it. This is sanctuary. There's mm -hmm. a place where people love them and welcome them and cheer them as if this is their birthday, you know, social distancing, the masks and all that. So we try to be a little bit more exuberant because we want them to feel that love that we can't give them like we always did, the embrace, the closeness, because we want them to feel like this is a sanctuary, this is a safe place, this is their community. It's a challenge to do it in this setting, but we're doing it. And we could see they're very grateful, very grateful. Absolutely. Yeah. You and your team stand out as a beacon of hope when there's so much despair and fear. There's a lot of fear. There is. A lot of that. Yeah. And... Yeah. Definitely. I'm so grateful that I could see this and I'm here and able to hear your story. So this is amazing. Thank you. And you know, here's the funny thing. We open our doors at around 8, 8.30. There are people on our line at five in the morning. There were 76 people on the line at five o'clock in the morning. That means they waited three and a half hours to get food. Mm -hmm. How do I know they're online at eight, five o'clock? Because we have volunteers who are willing to be here at five o'clock in the morning and start helping them social distance. I mean, you're right. There's so much good to do. 
there's so much hardship, but there's so much good we could do. Mm -hmm. And it really is on practical levels. But like, even if you're doing practical things like giving out food, it's got so much implication behind it that like, you're going to be okay, that there's going to be provision, that there's people who are willing to give for you, to give towards you, to stand with you, to help you through these times. We're going to make it, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to get through together. That's a positive message right there. Yeah. How many volunteers do you have in total? Well, we need about 40 to 50. Mm -hmm. We used to need 150 and we got them. Mm -hmm. We always had them. Mm -hmm. We had actually had a waiting list. So our experience is people love to give. They love to help each other. And that's what we've seen. We have amazing people who want to get up close and help. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Marianne, I know you have a lot of other services that you provide Mm -hmm. right here, but because of the lockdown, it's all come to a a pause. I wouldn't say a stop. Right. What are the other things that you do? Oh, yeah. Well, so we have a kids' own program, which is a soup kitchen for children, teenagers, and their families on Tuesday evenings. Now, obviously, because the restaurants aren't open, we can't do dining in. When we're back and before this, we invited children and teenagers. They had an all-you-can-eat dinner. And then we taught them, uh, we had financial literacy, we taught them social skills, we taught them nutrition education, how to choose healthy foods. We made them, they were participated in snack preparation. It was a safe place for them to come. The parents would just sit around and talk with each other and talk about their kids. And we had a once a month support group for the moms in a separate room. The kids could play, they could do arts and crafts, or they could learn, have homework help. It was a community center uh, every Tuesday night. So that was lovely and wonderful. And we still Zoom with them. We have GED and ESL classes. And so they're not really classes, they're tutors. So what is GED? GED. So for those who have not gotten their high school diploma, for whatever reason, you know, maybe they had to go work early in life. We, You know, there's all different reasons. Maybe they just got tired of school. Anyway, we have tutors who will help them on any level so they're not, they don't have to be frightened to be in a classroom and have others see what they know or don't know. They have tutors who work with them on their level, both in GED and ESL classes. And so they help them get their GED. They help them move further in life. If they need a resume, whatever they need, our tutors don't just do the academics. They find out what they need in their life to help them move forward. ESL, same thing. Some people maybe speak English, but they need help with technical words Mm because they want to be, they want to go into a career. And so they need help with the technical words. We'll do that too. We also have an ice cream store called Alphabet Scoop and it's right on our premises. It's a full-fledged ice cream store. It's out, you know, the public can come in. You don't have to come into the church. It's right on the street level. We make our own ice cream. It is the most fabulous ice cream. And I'm not saying that because it's our ice cream. We have 16 flavors. We make it ourselves. It's the highest butterfat that you could have in an ice cream, Mm -hmm. which means that it's not airy and fluffy. It's thick and delicious and delicious, right? Rich and creamy. The great part about it though, is that we hire only teenagers and they get to be trained, be mentored. We have an unconditional policy for them, meaning no matter what we work with them, we will not let them go without, you know, really good hard try of keeping them on page, teaching them about being on time, teaching them customer service, teaching them how to do things right, to clean, to have good attitudes, things that are 
not just the practical things, but the work skills that you, the soft skills, whatever you want to call it, that you need for a job. Attitude's important. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that they're learning as teenagers that are going to be in the foundation of their life. Maybe they will never be in the ice cream business, but they'll go to college or they'll be in another business, but they've learned something that they could take with them. Actually, one of our guys does want to open up his own ice cream shop someday. They learn how to make ice cream. They could be creative and come up with a flavor. Maybe they want to try it. We do that too. They could get creative with marketing. They get paid too. I mean, they're employees. And the store has been open throughout the pandemic Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, just takeout or delivery. And, you know, I'll tell you, funny thing, our neighborhood said, I'm so glad you had comfort food available for us when we needed it. Yeah. You needed ice cream during these times. Yeah. I think it's great that you're teaching kids, life skills, yes. people management skills, mm-hmm. financial skills, you know, those are the things that you can, I mean, it's difficult to find in your regular school yeah. or mm-hmm. education. Right. So to get that, to supplement yeah. their regular yeah. learning with this is great. Yeah. And we do that in Kids Zone too. Right. We teach them financial things in Kids Zone too. We play act at stores. We do things that will, as much as we can to support, get them ready for life, mm-hmm. you know, get them while they're young, get them ready for life in any way that we can. That's our mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Marion, what are your biggest challenges in running this volunteer run program? Well, you know, like any nonprofit, there's lots of grants for the food and, and the different things. It's the operational. It's just constantly taking care of the programs and then alongside that, raising money for it. Mm-hmm. And so that balance and every nonprofit goes through that same balance of actually putting all the effort that you need to put into the programs and then all the effort you need to in raising the funds. And then, like I said, we've never really had a problem getting volunteers, The uh, but through the pandemic, it's been a little bit more difficult. We've never been without, but we've noticed that it's more difficult for our regular volunteers to come out because of their home situations. You know, they want to respect their families. Right. What is your message for our listeners and how can they help? One thing I know people always want to know what they can do because people want to help. And I would say to anybody, start small. There's not always a blueprint. We didn't start with a blueprint. We really didn't know what we were doing. We started out giving out pantry bags. We didn't know we'd be a soup kitchen. We didn't know we'd have adult glasses. We didn't know the enormity. So we started with somebody gave us a lot of donated food and we would just keep giving it out. We started volunteering with another agency that brought home-cooked meals to AIDS-bound patients. So I guess I would say do whatever you can. Help an organization, volunteer somewhere, give somewhere, take care of your neighborhood, your neighbors or your friends, bring food, be on the lookout, any little thing that we can do. It really, one person at a time, it really is that. It'll grow in our hearts and it could grow into something more. But there's always something to do. Bring things with you when you go out, food or whatever to give to others. There's all kinds of creative ways. There's all kinds of things to do. Do something. Do something. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Do something. Just take the first step. Absolutely. The blueprint will come. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's very inspiring Mm -hmm. to hear, Marianne. And thank you so much for whatever work you're doing. Our pleasure. The biggest thing I took away from our conversation is that our true religion is humanity. That's the truth. Wanting to help each other and being there for each other. Absolutely. Building Absolutely. that sense of community. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York. Make sure to visit our website, anusainan.com, 
where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. So you'll never miss a show. You can also follow us on social media at the Heroes of New York Facebook page. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. If you like the show, you might want to check out our other episodes. Thanks for listening and see you next week.